Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as a elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day! I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. It has been a long time since I've done a podcast for Bing Crosby. Uh, we have a few Bings we're going to present to you before we start the new season. This is the last part of the season from 1951 that we haven't played for you. Uh, just an amazing show today because we have a special presentation I'm going to do and something I'm going to talk about in just a minute. But uh, let's first talk about this episode, the first episode you're going to hear. Of course, this is going to be Bing Crosby. Plus, at the end of it, there's a special Bing Crosby interview with Lucille Ball we're going to play. And I'll talk a little bit about that. And then after that is going to be Railroad Hour, of course, with Gordon McRae. I hope you're going to enjoy all three shows. First one with Bing Crosby is he, he has his, his guest, Teresa Brewer. And Teresa Brewer was a, a famous singer in the 1950s, had over 600 songs, 600 songs she released in the 1950s that she was recorded. Um, just very prolific and um, a very, very popular singer at the time. Uh, also, Burt Wheeler. Comedian Burt, Burt Wheeler is also going to be on, which should be really good. Uh, what they're going to have on, let's see, uh, Bing's going to sing How High the Moon first, and then Alexander's Ragtime Band with Teresa Brewer. And then he's going to sing with the Rhythm Airs on top of Old Smokey. And with Burt Wheeler, after they joke around some, they're going to sing Down by the Ohio. Uh, then at the end to close out the show, any town is Paris when you're young. Bing is going to sing. Then we have something special that I wanted to talk about. It's a interview from 1964 of Lucille Ball and Bing Crosby. It's actually two interviews. Uh, you'll hear a one that she's going to talk to him about his family and things. It's very nice to hear Bing to just be interviewed. And then uh, after that is one that, that's a Christmas time one where they're going to talk about White Christmas and so forth. And I think thought you would enjoy it, so I thought I'd include it. Now, I don't normally push other people's podcasts because I don't want to lose my audience or anything. But this podcast that's coming out is just amazing. It's Let's Talk to Lucy, and that's where this comes from. And uh, so far, there's been five episodes out. And it, what, what happened was Lucy, in 1964 and 1965, so that year of 64 to 65, she had a daily radio show where she interviewed some of the biggest stars in the country. 
And so it had 240 episodes or 240 segments. And they're going to be presenting all of those, which is just delightful. And they sound great. It's called Let's Talk to Lucy. That's what it was originally called. And it's being called that in the podcast. And it just feels just like a podcast. I mean, it fits so well. If you enjoy my podcast, you're going to really enjoy this one. They're short, uh, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, sometimes they, they link a bunch of them together. And so they might have up to a uh, half hour's worth or something. But her first one was with uh, Danny Kay and Carol Channing. And then her second one was with Dean Martin. I think it was three different Dean Martin interviews put together. And then one with Gene Martin, um, which, which is uh, Dean's wife. And then uh, the third one was Sheila McRae, which is Gordon McRae's wife. Um, I'll probably play that one because, of course, Gordon McRae is on our on our uh, show as well with his Railroad Hour. I'll probably play that one for you guys next week so you can hear Sheila McRae talk about Gordon McRae and things. Kind of fun. Uh, the next one, she had Red Skelton and Georgia Skelton. Just a really nice interview with, with Red and Georgia Skelton. Um, and then the last one, the most recent one, was with uh, guest Bing Crosby. And that's the one I'm presenting today. So just check out Let's Talk to Lucy podcast. It's all over the place, and you can find it in any podcast. Uh, and uh, I play the trailer, but I haven't. I didn't put that on here. I might put the trailer on that explains it a little more um, for next week's show. But anyway, I hope you enjoy it, and go listen to Let's Talk to Lucy. It's from the Sirius uh, Broadcasting company or whatever service, but uh, it's being put out as a podcast as well, which is lovely for them to do that. Uh, it's nice to have these things um, to save. And I'm hoping that Bing Crosby, not Bing Crosby, well, Bing Crosby did show up, but hopefully he shows up again, but hopefully uh, Jack Benny shows up and some other big stars from the time. So we'll see how that goes as it continues on. Anyway, without further ado, here is Bing Crosby Teresa Brewer, Burt Wheeler, Lucille Ball, Bing Crosby again, and uh, Gordon McRae for Railroad Hour. So I hope you enjoy all of these shows and tune in next time as we bring you more Bing Crosby. Only one, only one cigarette, Chesterfield, gives you mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And that's the biggest plus in cigarette history. By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfields are milder, milder, plus no aftertaste. So ho, open a pack and give them a sniff, and then you'll smoke them. Someone... Wait for me. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed in San Francisco, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins of the Mayors and Bing's guests, Mr. Bert Wheeler and Miss Teresa Brewer. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that eminent authority on menswear. 
the fashion editor of the Hobo News, Bing Crosby. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Ken, I'll speak to you later about that very flip introduction. Since you're belaboring my wardrobe, it may surprise you to know that I've just received a very flattering offer from Esquire magazine. You got an offer from Esquire? They want me to renew my subscription for another 12 months. <laughs> Bing, the way you dress and huh? the trouble you have with hotel clerks... I'll just not get into that again. <laughs> you do, though. We covered that. But the way you dress and all that, I'm surprised that Esquire would even send you a form letter. Well, that isn't all. You know, out of my recent reverses has come another great honor. What's that? Well, I've been designated a man of distinction by the Oshkosh-Bagosh overall people. <laughs> Well, let's let this matter drop now. I'm true, I did have a little trouble getting in that hotel in Vancouver. That's true. I won't deny that. But I've been here in San Francisco for over a week, and I've had absolutely no trouble with my room clerk. Yes, but you're living in a seaman's rescue mission. Uh-uh. I checked out of there this morning. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were very happy there. Why'd you move? Last night, yes. three of my roommates were shanghai <laughs> Tonight it ain't gonna be me, because I, I ain't gonna be there. Oh. Bing, I thought you were the adventurous type. You often told me that you'd like to go to sea. I would like to go to sea, but not with a lump on my head. <laughs> well, you have a point there. I don't want a lump on my point either. <laughs> All I can say... <laughs> All I can say is, by moving out of the seaman's rest, you probably missed a wonderful free ocean voyage to Hawaii or Tahiti or Australia or someplace. Oh, no, Ken. The way things are breaking for me lately, I'd probably be shanghai on a boat that's bound for Stockton. <laughs> I was wondering, Bing, now that you've checked out of the Seaman's Rescue Mission, uh, would you mind telling me what hotel you're stopping at now? I'm, I'm dickering. Oh. Places. This morning, I wired several hotels saying that I wasn't too dressy, but I did need a room. Any answers? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I received a very friendly wire from Dan London, the amiable Boniface of the St. Francis Hotel. Oh, that's great. Uh, what did Mr. London say? Well, I've got it right here. It says, uh... Bing Crosby, care of Continental Trailways Bus Station, San Francisco. <laughs> care of Continental Trailways Bus Station? <laughs> if I don't get a room, boy, I'm blowing down. <laughs> well, what does Mr. London say in his wire? Well, it's really a very lovely wire, Ken. It says, Dear Bing, the St. Francis doesn't care how you are dressed. Come as you are, but don't come here. <laughs> At least it's a reply. <laughs> That's quite cordial, too. Mm. Affable. Yeah. If you don't read it all. <laughs> Ken, I think the folks have been regaled enough with my current housing problems. And just to show everyone that I'm light in spirit, gay and ebullient, I think I'll bust into song. John, boys and girls, let's uh, how high the moon, huh? Somewhere there's heaven 
How near, how far The darkest night would shine If you would come to me soon Until you will How still my heart How high the moon telegram here I want to read to you. It's mighty important to you as a smoker, so listen close. The telegram's addressed to the Chesterfield people, and it says, a panel of five, all members of the faculty of the College of Liberal Arts of the University of New Hampshire, has just completed for our foundation a survey and appraisal of cigarette advertising. The advertising copy of five leading cigarettes was subjected to scrutiny and study. You'll be pleased to know that only Chesterfield advertising was judged entirely free from misleading statements or false claims. This is the unanimous opinion of the panel. The honesty of your advertising is indicative of the honesty of your product. It's signed by W. Keith Simpson, director of the Newington Foundation. That telegram lays it right on the line, doesn't it? That's right, folks. Here's what it means to you. When we say that Chesterfield gives you mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste, you can believe it. And when we say that Chesterfield is the best cigarette for you to smoke, that's the truth, the straight story. Always buy Chesterfield. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present a delightful little lady, a singer whose bright style has made her tremendously popular all over the country. Like she'd been with us several times lately and always scored a sensational success. I have reference to Miss Teresa Brewer. Hey, Teresa, what are you going to sing for? Is this a little high for you? No, that's You want to get down there and get dead aim on this mic, you know. I broke in with hope. I learned you've got to get right in there. <laughs> what are you going to sing for us, Teresa? Hmm? Would Alexander's Ragtime Band be all right? All right. Practically dynamite the way you do it. You can really kick it around pretty good, I'm sure. Well, I'll try. Well, that's good enough for me. We await your opening measures, Teresa. <laughs> To the daddy of the Dixieland band Driving in a jiving Oh, ain't he grand Come on and hear Come on and hear Alexander's ragtime band Come on and hear Come on and hear It's the best band in the land Oh, they can play the bugle call Like you never heard before So natural 
sing it all after that. Teresa, that was wonderful, and thanks very much. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to, I just got to have a go at the great folk song, which is currently standing lovers of such Americana right on their ears. Mr. Trotter has composed a rather fine orchestral background, I believe, for this uh, piece of memorabilia. <laughs> really? Here we go, John. Go right ahead now. Hug you and kiss you 
Tonight's uh, guest appeared with us And we've invited him back for a return engagement His recent appearances on some of the top television shows Have made him a current sensation in TV It is now our pleasure to extend a warm welcome To this lovable veteran of show business The ever popular comedian, Mr. Bert Wheeler Uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen And Bing, you should never introduce a guy to an audience as a comedian they're supposed to find out that for themselves. <laughs> well, Bert, if you don't want to be called a comedian, how should I introduce you? I... Well, just say I'm a friend of yours. A friend of mine? Yeah, and if they think I'm a friend of yours, they won't expect much. <laughs> I'll start well, with you're me, getting then. all in a tizzy here about nothing, Bert. I'm... If I put you in a spot, I apologize. I'm sorry I ever called you a comedian. How do you mean that? <laughs> No, I mean about the way I introduce you now. I gee, you're sensitive for a guy that's been around as long as you have. I don't understand how you can. That's be another so... thing I'm sensitive about. Yeah. <laughs> how long have you been around? Uh, you you really want to know, Bing? Yeah. Well, as long as we're here in San Francisco, why don't you just ask me? Were you born before the fire? Huh? Go ahead and ask me. You should go. I'm laughing because I, I know what's coming. Uh... <laughs> get into anything like that. You, I... you say were you born uh, before the fire? I say that. Huh? All right, go ahead. All right. Uh, Go ahead Bertram, were yeah. you born before the fire? No, behind the piano oh. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, that joke will give you an idea of how long I've been around <laughs> And you know, Bing, I'm beginning to feel my age, too Get out Yes, I oh, am Oh, no, I always thought of you birds being energetic, a ball of fire, a little human dynamo Oh, right? no, not anymore you should have heard me puffing trying to make that hill on Main Street, uh, Mason Street. Mason? Right <laughs> <laughs> no hill on Mason, Main, Mason Street. Everybody puffs going up Mason Street, up that hill. Yeah, but I was going down. Going down? Yeah. <laughs> In a taxi. In a taxi. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be worried about it. Probably an old cab. How do you like San Francisco, Bert? Eh, it's all right. <laughs> You know, you sound like you've got a little beef, a little something personal against the city. Well, Bing, uh, maybe I am a little bitter. What happened? You see, Bing, one time when I was here, I met a girl. Uh-uh. Well, I, I was crazy about her, and, well, it turned out to be an unfortunate love affair. What happened? I married her. <laughs> you, you can't blame that on San Francisco. Hey, maybe you're right. Hey, you know, come to think of it, she was from Oakland. 
Yeah. How could you tell? Well, uh, this was before the bridge was built. Yeah. And every night when she left me, I had a greaser for the swim home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, Bing, I've got to say, this is but, a wonderful town Well, Bert, with all your years in show business, I'll bet you've played here many times, huh? Yeah, I've worked here, too <laughs> That's what I mean You know, Bing, the last time I was here in San Francisco, I was with a vaudeville show, and yeah. what a time we had I'll bet Who Oh, it? gosh You see, one of the acts on the bill was Harry Greenwood and his train seal Oh, yeah And this was his hometown Greenwood was from San Francisco, huh? No, the seal (laughs) And boy, when you're from San Francisco, these people really treat you right You should have seen the welcome he got Yeah, I bet he had a lot of friends on Fisherman's Wharf He even had friends under the wharf Yeah, it was always a big event when Greenwood and his train seal played in San Francisco. You know, his family lived out here in the bay on a big rock. The seal? No, Greenwood. Oh. <laughs> oh. And you know, Bing, the way that guy used to walk out on the stage reminded me of Bob Hope. Greenwood? No, the seal. <laughs> yes, those seals do walk yeah. on <laughs> You know, everything they do is funny, yeah, Bing. Bing in Detroit, I shared a dressing room with that act, and what laughs? Oh, it must have been oh, a riot, <laughs> It was hysterical, the way he used to roll over on his back and drink like a fish. The seal? No, Greenwood. Oh. <laughs> now listen, Bing. I want to tell you what? something. I've been in a lot of shows in my yes, time Yes, you have, no question You know that yeah, right. But I want to tell you By the time that show headed back east You never saw such a pathetic character Really? He'd get loaded in every town You know mm-hmm. Missing shows yeah, I understand Getting kicked out of hotels well, I wouldn't know about that <laughs> How do you like this? What do you do? Chasing chorus girls all around the dressing room Oh I'm telling you, Bing, he was positively disgusting. Bert, you're not going to trap me again now. Was this Greenwood or the seal? Me. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed me. You grabbed me. Ray, you got us all keyed up with this suspense. I I can't rest till I get the answer. Whatever happened to the seal? Well, Bing, it was just terrible, but but it wasn't the seal's fault. You see, this Greenwood was one of those guys that didn't like to drink alone. Oh, I see. And he hated people. So? Well, a seal got the heisting a couple oh, himself. Belting back a little. You know. Who you see, But at first, he was just trying to be sociable. Oh, oh, I see, yeah. Now, you know, Bing, you seldom ever see a seal drinking. But when they do, they're murder. <laughs> well, I'll remember that. Yes, sir. Anyway, Bing, the seal had to give up showbiz. Wasn't that tough? Oh, murder. You know how a seal catches a ball on his nose? Yeah. Well, he got so he couldn't even catch a ball anymore. Well, what finally happened to him? Last time I saw him, he was playing right field for the San Francisco Ball Club. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, and you know, he he is so discouraged after each game, you can still see him heisting a field. Oh, he's still... (laughs) The seal? No, lefty O'Doom.
Bert, I appreciate This is wonderful, but I, I'm one fellow who's in no position to start knocking last place baseball teams. I gotta be very careful. <laughs> I should... Well, listen, Big, maybe we'd better quit while we're winning, huh? Well, it's been a lot of fun, Bert, standing here gabbing about the old days, no matter how fantastic. How about cutting up with an old song? Could you handle an old ditty with Okay. Me? Check the tenor, but I'm feeling a little low this evening. You okay. take the top. You ready, John? the Ohio, I got the cutest little old my There ain't nobody half as pretty as she, she's just as sweet as can be. And jumping jeepers creepers, she's crazy for me, and what an old my The only one I've ever met who thrilled me so. She's about the cutest thing that I've ever oh, seen. Oh, really? All milk and honey, if you know what I mean. And, and when, when we all my own, just wait till I get back to Ohio. I get so old, my own. She is the only one who ever thrilled me so. She's got a family that's loaded with moves. Tell me more. But where the dickens did she learn to woo woo? She's got that old my own. planning to spend Father's Day this oh, Sunday. Oh, Father's Day. That's a quite a big thing at the Crosby Menage. Yeah. I get to sleep as late as I want to. Then the kids bring me a big breakfast in bed, ham and eggs, cereal, waffles, pancakes, sausage. Oh, wonderful. What do you do when you get up? What else? Wash the dishes. <laughs> well, I know one gift that'll be on that breakfast tray, Bing. Right you are, Ken. A carton of milder Chesterfield. The cigarette that gives you mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. The biggest plus in cigarette history. Yes, science discovered it. You can prove it. Chesterfield is the cigarette that leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. Let's not forget Chesterfield's mildness, Ken. 1,547 tobacco growers say that Chesterfield's milder aroma means a milder smoke. And since Sunday is Father's Day, why not give Dad those milder Chesterfields in our swell new gift carton? Sure, pick one up at your dealer's. Pop's a great guy and Chesterfield's a great smoke. It's a natural. For Father's Day and any day, it's Chesterfield. By Chesterfield, Chesterfield, the one that proves its case. Yes, Chesterfields are milder, milder, plus no aftertaste. So ho, open a pack and give them a sniff, then you'll smoke them. Right here on this show by John Trotter and Tom Adair. We like to encourage local industry. Any town is Paris when you're young. In any sky, a dreamer's moon is hung. Every love the one love that you swear you'll never leave 
And the gypsy spell of spring is yours to weave. All the world is magic when you're young. And every song's the sweetest ever sung. Every street is lover's lane where wishing stars are hung. And any town is Paris when you're young. My thanks to Teresa Brewer and Bert Wheeler for joining up with us tonight. Wonderful to see you, Bert. Thanks, Bing. Who's with you next week? Next week, uh, Bert Teresa's coming back. Also, a couple of old buddies of mine, Tommy Dorsey and Joe Venuti, will be carried aboard. <laughs> that sounds like it might be very pretty. Oh, we hope so, Bert. Ken, would you step here for a minute? Just right, Bing. Friends, remember to ABC always buy Chesterfield. Chesterfield's world famous ABCs mean more today than ever before. Always milder, better tasting, cooler smoking. Yes, you get all that, plus the added pleasure of no unpleasant aftertaste. And just another quick reminder for Father's Day this Sunday. Pick up one of those gift cartons of Chesterfields. When you give Dad Chesterfields, you're giving him the best. Good night, folks. I'll see you next week for Chesterfield, the best cigarette for you to smoke. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in San Francisco by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Miss Teresa Brewer, Joe Venuti, and Tommy Dorsey.
This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, let's talk to Lucy. Hi, Hello, this is Lucy. Lucy. <laughs> Today I have as my guest one of a kind. Uh, by that I mean the one and only Derbingo. Bing Crosby to most of you. Derbingo to show folk. That's right. Bing, welcome to our radio audience. Thank you, Lucy. It's a great pleasure to be here. Glad to get another shot at a radio audience <laughs> through your kindly offices. And incidentally, huh? Bing, welcome to Desilu Studios. We are very pleased that you decided to make your headquarters with us. Well, this is the right place. Everything's so comfortable here and cozy and friendly Your wish people. is my command. Oh, well, you'll hear from me later. We are very pleased that you yourself decided to perform this season. Well, I figured uh, you'd take a guy like Hope at his advanced age, practically in his dotage. <laughs> if he can do all the work he does, ah. I should be able to do a little bitty series. Is that why you decided? Sure, he shamed me into it. <laughs> Did he really? Exactly. I, I know that he really, honest and truly, wanted you to get back to work. He was very upset when you moved to Burlingame. Did you know he that? He thought I was going to quit, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to see me working because he's hooked and he wants me hooked. But I'm glad I am, and I, I had to do it just to show him that I was still able to. <laughs> it's a matter of pride, you know, between him and I. <laughs> oh, you're cute. <laughs> and I know you're telling the truth. Exactly. How about your golf? Is that going to suffer? No, thanks to that driving range that you and Gary gifted me with. <laughs> I have a little driving net over on the set, folks, that Lucy and Gary gave me with a pad to hit iron shots off of them and a rubber tee to hit the wood shots and uh, very little time to anytime use. there's a respite between the, <laughs> the shooting of the picture why well, i go over and hit a few balls yeah I, I use it a lot you have uh, the lovely miss beverly garland yes your she's wife. in our series she plays my wife in the piece is uh, she anything like your real wife beautiful a, kathy a great deal she's just as pretty uh, i hope kathy doesn't hear this but uh, she's just as pretty her. and she's a fine actress and uh, something that i don't think very few people realize she's a fine comedian bing uh, what makes us keep our hand in, so to speak, uh, you know, longer than is necessary? It isn't monetary reasons no. with you. Well, work it, is a pleasure with you, I, I know that, but still, it's hard work that you're taking on right now. Yeah. Besides kidding about uh, yeah. proving to yeah. hope what you can do, <laughs> I know that you had to give it some other thought. Sure. Because it is a dedication that takes most of every week. Mm -hmm. uh, well, my decision was based on the natural, normal thing. Anybody that's been in this business as long as I have uh, just can't break away from it. You're kind of married to it. Uh, when I'm still healthy and uh, able to get around, uh, it seems ridiculous not to be taking some part in it because, after all, it's, it's been my life since I left school. Satisfaction in, in creating something yeah. never quite leaves us, does it? Never, never does. Thank God. Not in this business. And, and something that they refer to as the need to be needed. Yeah. I have no thought of retiring. I love my work mm. and uh, look forward to mm. it. I, uh, there's no uh, social gathering that I have ever gone to that was more fun than my work, and I, I, you probably feel the same way. I do, and when you work, uh, it's apparent that that's the way you feel about it, Lucy, because you seem to get such joy out of what you're doing. I think it's communicated to the audience, and they enjoy it with you. Say, speaking of social gatherings, it's quite well known out here, bingo, that most social gatherings have to get along without you. Is there any particular reason for that? Is it that you just don't like parties, or what is it? Oh, no, I like parties, and I like uh, being with people. Uh, I'm gregarious, all right, but uh, I get up very early. It's, in a, it's a habit I acquired, I don't know, many years ago. I can't sleep in the mornings. Well, if I have work to do, or if i got a golf game in the morning, it's just impossible for me to go to a late party. An early party I like, uh, something in the late afternoon, or a brunch, or... 
I like to go see pictures, but anything after 12 or 1 o'clock uh, is out of the question for me because I wake up at 6.30. Well, so I never I'm, thought of that being a reason. That if I can't get, get seven or eight hours sleep, I am kind of a dog the rest of the day. I had no idea it was because of that's that. That's it. That's the sole reason. I don't um, think anybody in Hollywood knows that. I think I have a scoop. That's a scoop. I just can't sleep after 6.30 or 7 o'clock no matter what time I retire. It's I'm a an terrible, early riser, terrible too. terrible habit to be in. That's why you were such a success on the big ranch. That's right. You I'm got things done at Rancher's summer. hours. Well, yeah. I like the mornings, too. I must say it's awfully pretty in the morning. Bing, what do you like around the house? I read a great deal. I uh, look I, at any kind of a baseball game or sports event that's on television. I'm right there, planted. Uh, and if, sport, if a baseball game's on the radio, I tune into that. And I play a lot with the kids uh, in the mornings and in the afternoons after their nap. Uh, they're at a very enjoyable age now, five and a half, four and a half, and two and a half. Lots of fun. And uh, I found that... Uh, Kids that age can be tremendously interesting and exciting. And these three little ones, uh, maybe it's because their mother is so young, but they seem to have about twice as much zip and zest and zeal as any young kids I've ever encountered. They run the legs off of this. You know, it just occurred to me, Bing, that you have been granted the rare privilege of having two families yeah. to raise, a uh -huh. generation apart. Uh -huh. um, do you think that you will profit by any of your previous experience? I think so. I think I've learned some things uh, that I'll try and put to good use raising these these little ones. What are the names of your little ones? The oldest family? boy's called Harry Lillis after me, but most people call him Tex. Uh, the little girl's called Mary Frances after two favorite aunts of Catherine's. Yeah. And the little boy's called Nathaniel Patrick after my great-grandfather, who was a, a clipper ship captain uh, in the 1840s. Well, it's an awful name to hang, hang on a guy, Nathaniel Patrick. You know they're going to call him Nat Pat. <laughs> hey, Nat Pat. <laughs> Who's pitching today? <laughs> oh, that's darling. Uh -huh. Your new home in Burlingame. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Why did you move way up there? Well, I have a lot of friends there. Uh, I belong to several golf clubs there, also to the Bohemian Club in town. Catherine has lots of friends there because she's been going there a lot in the last five or six years. And we thought that uh, it would be a better place for the children because of the small gears. It's kind of mm -hmm. thick off and on. And uh, So we just thought we'd move up there for a while and see if we like it. There's a wonderful school within about a half a mile of the house. And, of course, the Burlingame Golf Club is only about three-quarters of a mile. It's certainly one of the most beautiful places in America. It's lovely. And oh. San Francisco has been a favorite city of ours for so long. There's so yes. many things to do there. It's, it's really like being in another country when you go to really, San Francisco. Yeah. What about your Palm Springs real estate? For years, you were the... Uh, the uh, commandant, I should say. <laughs> Wherever you moved, uh, thousands followed, and uh, well, have you just the, uh, given it up now? No, no, it's still <laughs> there, and uh, I was there this winter for a while, and we let uh, Catherine's folks use it, my folks use it. And the president? And the president uh, stayed there for a while. Uh, uh, it's kind of a, a secluded uh, locality where you can get a lot of quiet and a lot of rest, and still you're close enough to all the golf courses. Yes, your localities are secluded for about 20 minutes. And then they... <laughs> yeah. For years, I've been watching you try to. You go farther and farther out in the desert. I got a beat this time, though. I'm right up against the rocks. They can't get in back of me unless oh, they want to live on the rocks. Beautiful. What yeah. happened to the big ranch you had? Where was that? Elko, Nevada. Oh, I sold that three or four years ago. The whole kitten caboodle, oh, huh? The whole schmear, yeah. Why? Oh, it was too much trouble and tough business, the cattle business. Uh, and I didn't know enough about it to conduct it successfully. Uh, absentee ownership all the time. You're not there. 
It really is a, a risky thing for someone who doesn't understand it. In fact, the people who are in the cattle business all their life have a tough time making it. Well, I just hope you don't have a tough time making it here at Desi Lou on oh, your sure new show, won't. Bing. And I sure appreciate your dropping by today. Great pleasure, Lucy, to chat with you here. Will you come again? Anytime. You know where I'm going to be right next door. Do you hear that all pounding I in there? Knock, fixing right? up my room, getting me all ready. Okay. Goodbye. God bless. Thank you, Lucy. Great pleasure. Hi, this is Lucy. Well, I guess I don't have to tell you that Christmas is about here. The songs, the carols, the snow, and all those round-faced children with their little noses pressed against a million store windows. But no Christmas is ever quite complete to me without hearing... I guess I don't have to tell you who my guest is today. Mr. White Christmas himself, Bing Crosby. Merry Christmas, Bing. And a Merry Christmas to you, Lucy. I suppose you've sung White Christmas so many times it doesn't do anything for you anymore. Oh, pauvre, not true at all. It does a lot for me, Lucy. It brings back so many memories, thousands of them. The places I've sung it, for whom I've sung it, and uh, when it was first sung, and... Uh, the many arrangements I've had, I remember singing it overseas for the servicemen and in hospitals and uh, all over the world. And I get so much mail on it, uh, still do, and although it was written many years ago, and although the record uh, isn't nearly as popular now as it was years back, uh, it does a lot for me. I bet you've sung it about 10,000 times. I suppose so. Uh, can you remember the first time you, you sang it? Uh, yes, it was on the uh, set uh, uh, over at Paramount when we made a picture called... Uh, Holiday Inn with Fred Astaire and Marjorie Reynolds. Who wrote it, Bing? Irving Berlin. Of course. And uh, he wrote words and music. Of course, the, there was a verse to it, and we had quite a struggle at the time uh, between Berlin and the producer of the show because the producer wanted to use the verse, and it was a very peculiar verse. It was long, uh, and it told a story about some fellow being alone in Beverly Hills, and the sun was shining, and the palm trees were swaying, and, uh, I'm glad seem, you didn't use it. And it didn't seem at all like White Christmas to him. And then he says, I'm dreaming of a White Christmas. And Berlin was right because I don't think anybody's ever heard the verse. Maybe if we'd used the verse, it might have killed the chorus. You never know. I miss yeah. a White Christmas so, so much out here. Yeah. So you're just like I am. Mm -hmm. I try to get back to the snow every Christmas that I can. Last Christmas, Gary and I took the kids to Vermont where we had a little cottage. I bet that was beautiful. Well, yeah. we were snowed in for three days. That and makes I, it fun. I loved every no minute phone, of nothing. it. nothing. They can't get you. But Gary didn't like it. Why not? No, no golf. Huh? I have to drag him back to the snow. He said he'd had enough snow and ice as a kid and... It was enough to last him for the rest of his life. He'd just as soon spend his Christmas in Palm Springs. So I'm glad that you're with me, Bing. Oh, I'm with you 100%. You know, I was raised up in Spokane, Washington. That's uh, on the eastern side of the Cascade Mountains. And the climate over there is not like Seattle, which is kind of balmy in the winter. Spokane has some real rugged winters. And we yes. always had sleds and skates and heavy snowfalls. And they have I some very ski. high mountains up there, don't All they? around the town, big, very big mountains. Mount Spokane is right there. What about Kathy and your children? Do they like the snow? Well, the children, uh, these, uh, this new group, <laughs> <laughs> Harry, Mary Frances, and Nathaniel, have only seen it uh, up at the ranch. We have a little ranch up near northern uh, California border up near Oregon, and they saw it up there a couple of times, and they were fascinated, and they, they want to go back. We had them up there Thanksgiving, and in the hope that it would snow again, but we just had a few little flakes and nothing. Uh, does it snow? Does it snow in Burlingame? No chance. No, that's uh, a little colder than Los Angeles, but not a great deal. Yeah. 
How about Nat Pat? How old is Nat, Nat Pat? Nat Pat is a three-year. He just turned three, and he's a bear, too. He's going to be something. <laughs> the funniest little kid that I've ever seen in my life. He's going to be a riot. Yeah. He's going to have to be a riot to do the back up that name, Nathaniel Patrick. <laughs> Nat Pat. Is that a handle? Yeah. Well, why did you do that to him? <laughs> well, Nathaniel is, a, is my great-grandfather, and he was a famous uh, clipper ship captain in the uh, New England sailing days. And so hmm. I thought I have one child named after a an illustrious seaman like that. And, of course, Patrick was uh, thrown in so he'd have a saint's name to christen him mm-hmm. with, so he'd be wound up Nathaniel Patrick Crosby. I praised his Irish nanny very much because her name's Bridget Brennan. Of course. I'd like to wish you and Kathy and your children a very Merry Christmas and the best of all New Year's. Thank you very much, Lucy, and the very same right back at you and Gary and all the family. And I hope wherever you go this Christmas, where are you planning to go, do you know? I'm working on a snow country. And you're trying to get Gary to uh, go yes, along. Go I, along, I, I'm Gary. not successful as yet. I think you could make a skier out of him. He's a big husky <laughs> guy. I'd love it. Have a good time wherever you are. Thank you, darling. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've enjoyed our visit today with Mr. Bing Crosby. And may I take this opportunity to wish all of you the best holiday season ever. Bye. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the musical play, Boys from Syracuse, by Richard Rogers and Lauren Park, starring Gordon McRae and his guest, Evelyn Case. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight, another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads, the same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, sir, what would you do if a beautiful girl, one you never saw before in your life, came up to you in a strange town and insisted... You were her brother-in-law. And that's the problem that Evelyn Case and I are going to try to unravel in The Boys from Syracuse. And incidentally, that's Syracuse in ancient Greece and not my hometown up in good old New York State. My name is Antipholus. I was separated from my family when I was scarcely more than a baby and grew up without ever having known them. When I had attained some measure of success in life, I searched all Greece for a trace of them, but in vain. Now, on my way home to Syracuse, I stopped for refreshment in the town of Ephesus. 
And as I left the tavern... Dromeo, Dromeo, wait! I'm afraid you've uh, made a mistake. My name isn't... Now, Dromeo, I haven't any time for your pranks. Adriana is waiting for you, and she's practically beside herself. Adriana? Your wife, dear, remember? Well, no, as a matter of fact, I don't. Dromeo, you mustn't go home in a mood like that. My sister will never forgive you. After all, you've been gone for months. I have? Dromeo, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Maybe it's you. Do you often have this effect on people you just meet? You haven't just met me. That's funny. I feel as though I have. I was on my way to Syracuse, but uh, if you're free for the evening... Free for the evening? <gasps> Dromeo, what's wrong with you? You're my sister's husband. I'd rather be yours. I'd make a very poor wife, Romeo. I don't believe in love. Well, why on earth not? Perhaps because I've seen too many marriages like yours. I've learned a lot about love from you and Adriana, Romeo. I think very little of it. Falling in love with love is falling for me. your little flirtation. Adriana is waiting. My name is not Dromeo. Why won't you believe me? Because I know you are Dromeo. All right. 
Take me to your sister and you'll see that I'm not Romeo. My husband. Oh, Romeo, at last. You've returned to me. Thank you, Luciana, for bringing him to me. Somebody's crazy. Maybe it's me. <laughs> I've been so lonely all these weary months. Did you bring me the gold chain you promised me? Gold chain? Oh, Dromeo, you promised. I did? Well, if I promised, I'll have to get one. I have a gift for you. I'll get it. It'll only take a moment. Well, Dromeo? I don't understand any of this. My name isn't Dromeo. I never saw that wound before in my whole life, and the only reason I haven't left already is because... Well, because I do care whether I see you again. Don't talk like that, Romeo. I can't listen. I mustn't listen. What did she call you? Luciana? You know that's my name. I don't know anything about you. Yet I know everything. The way you suddenly do know everything about someone you've been waiting to meet. You know, if I was married to you, I, I know just how it would be, Luciana. The shortest day of the year has the longest night of the year. The longest night is the shortest night with you. The smallest smile on your face is the greatest kind of embrace. A single kiss is a thousand dreams come true. Your softest sigh, that is my strongest tie. There's you, there's I. What can time do? Luciana, listen to me. I am not Dromeo. My name is Antipholus. 
I never was in this town before. I'm just one of the boys from Syracuse. Romeo, do you think I'm mad enough to believe such a tale? Well, one of us is mad, I know that. That doesn't matter. I'm in love with you. Do you understand that? I've never been in love in my life before. I was beginning to think I never would be. And then you came up calling me Dromeo. And that silly little way of yours. Well, I, I was gone. How can we be in love under the circumstances? We're not in love. How do you know? I know how I feel. Well, how do you feel? I feel fine. Well, so do I. All right, we both feel fine, so we're not in love. This can't be love because I feel so well. No soft, no sorrows, no sighs. This can't be love. I get no dizzy spell. My head is not in the sky. My heart does not stand still. Just hear it beat. This is too sweet to be love. This can't be love because I feel so well. But still I love to look in your eyes. This can't be love because I feel so well. No sorrows, no sorrows, no sighs. This can't be love. I get no Just hear it beat, this is too sweet This can be love, because I feel so well, but Luciana. I am not Dromeo, and I am kissing Luciana. Oh, Luciana, how can you do a thing like this to your own sister? I don't know, Adriana. I think I must be touched with madness today. He said he was not Romeo, and for a few moments, I'm afraid I, I almost believed him. I'm sorry, Adriana. Luciana, wait, don't go. I never want to see you again, Romeo. Is that clear? I never want to see you again. And I never want to see you again either, Romeo. Never, never, never. I fell in love with love one night when the moon was full. I was unwise with eyes unable to see.
And now, here is the second act of The Boys from Syracuse, in Gordon McRae and his guest star, Evelyn Case. I walked out of Adriana's house feeling very mixed up. I also felt like a heel, which was a little unfair, considering the fact that I was not Romeo and not her husband. Couldn't understand what was going on. Why wouldn't they believe that I was one of the boys from Syracuse? Well, down the street I saw Luciana, and she was talking to a group of friends, and they were certainly raking the male sex over the coals. someplace where we can be alone. I took her hand and I made her come with me. We found a quiet park and, and there I tried once more to tell her how I felt about her. Oh, <laughs> 
no use. I can't go on like this. I'm going to run away. Oh, now, Luciana, don't say that. But I am. I can take care of myself. I'll follow you. I couldn't live without you. Don't you dare. And don't think I can't live without you. I'll laugh. I'll be gay. I'll play with every man I see. I know how to live. Sing for your supper and you'll get breakfast. Songbirds always eat. If their song is sweet to hear. Sing for your luncheon and you'll get dinner. Dine with wine of choice. If romance is in your voice I heard from a wise canary Trilling makes a fellow willing So little swallow swallow on Now is the time to sing for your supper And you'll get breakfast Songbirds aren't dumb They don't buy a because he brought me to gold chain. Dromio's home? He certainly is. And this terrible man who's been annoying us. He must be Dromio's twin brother. The one who was lost in Syracuse when he was a baby. Your husband is my brother? I'm afraid so. And I must say he's far nicer. Come along, Luciana. I'll rescue you from this upstart. Adriana, if you don't mind, I don't think I want to be rescued. No. Well, suit yourself. I'm going back to Dromio. See? See, Luciana, I'm not drunk. He's the brother I've been searching for. But now I'm... I'm really in no hurry. I'm in no hurry either. By the way, what did you say your name was? Antipolis from Syracuse. I'm very happy to meet you, Antipolis. Very happy to meet you. This can't be love because I feel so well. 
no sobs, no sorrows, no sighs. This can be love, I get no dizzy spell. My head is not in the sky. My heart does not stand still, just hear it be. ladies and gentlemen. Evelyn Case will be back in just a moment. And our thanks to Katie Lee, who was Adriana, and our entire company. The musical play, Boys from Syracuse, by Richard Rogers and Lawrence Hart, was adapted for the Railroad Hour by Gene Holloway. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week, at this time, by the American Railroads. Right now, with summer just beginning, may seem like an odd time to be talking about next winter's fuel. But that's just what high government officials are talking about in urging a nationwide program of summer fuel buying. The Secretary of the Interior urges, in the public interest, that all consumers of oil, liquefied petroleum gas, and coal build their own fuel stockpiles during the summer months. And the Defense Transport Administrator says that the wise consumer will lay in maximum fuel supplies during the off-season in the fuel trade. The railroads, who are called upon to transport so much of the fuel you burn, join these government agencies in urging that you ensure your fuel needs for next winter by putting in as much of a supply as possible now. Here again is lovely Evelyn Case. Evelyn, I'm certainly mighty glad that my twin brother came home because you're the one I wanted to sing duets with all along. Well, I wonder where your brother was. Do you suppose he might have been having a date with your next week's show? Well, it's possible. Because next Monday we're presenting The Mary Widow with Nadine Connor as our guest star and Jack Kirkwood as an extra added attraction in the role of Papa. Well, then I've got a date. A date to listen. Good night, Gordon. Good night, Evelyn. And thanks for a wonderful performance tonight. All aboard! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week, this is Gordon McRae saying goodbye. appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroad. 
And now, keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. NBC. 